0: Welcome to episode 81 of our weekly Cricket Her Vodcast. Well, the cricket season is done and dusted here in England, so we are back at home with our green screen, uh, whatever we decide to make the background this week. Um, now, a couple of hours ago, the result is in of the India v Australia test. What's the result, Sid?
1: The result is a draw, an exciting, glorious draw. Um,
0: what did you make of it all? <laughs>
1: Uh, I think it's got to be a little bit disappointing again. Um, I, I think for me, uh, actually India killed the game very, very early on. Um, India never went at a run rate, um, You know, certainly after the first little bit, they never went at a run rate which was going to give them an opportunity to win the game in this day and age, in the 21st century, in 2021 or whenever we are. Um, And I accept that, you know, India's scoring rate was high by historical standards. Um, and it was high by the standards of, men, of men's tests. But, you know, these are women's tests. They're played under different conditions. If you want to win a women's test, you need to score at a faster rate than a little bit more than two and over that India did for almost all their innings. And they took so much time to score their runs that realistically there was never going to be time for them to bowl Australia out twice. And that's what you've got to do to win the tests. So for me, I think India have to accept quite a lot of responsibility for that result. How do you, how do you see it, Raf?
0: Well, I suppose I personally feel that Australia have to accept their, to be honest, more than their fair share of culpability. I cannot fathom why they won the toss and chose to put India in. If you win the toss, if you win the toss in a men's test then a lot of the time you bat first, if you win the toss in a women's test you bat first and the reason why is because it puts you in control of the game and it means that you get to kind of almost set out in your head how the four days are going to go now we knew before this test started that there was weather around and that they were unlikely to really get more than you know three and a half days of this test at best so if you win the toss and if you say Ahead of time, we're going to play positively, we're going to approach this game positively, and we're going to play like it's a one-dayer. Well, it's no good doing that. It's no good saying that if you then don't get to bat until day three, which is what happened to Australia. They put India in. It was a mistake. I don't care what bowling you've got. It was a mistake. Um, So there's that. Um, I think that the other problem was that Australia's strike rate was nowhere near what we would have expected to see if they really were going after the runs and if they really were batting like it was a one-dayer. If Alyssa Healy and Meg Lanning um, and Ash Gardner batted at a strike rate of below 50 in a one-day game, they'd be having a very stern talking to from Matthew Mott after they came off the pitch. And they'd certainly be um, getting a bit of a, a... um, you know they'd be done down in the media for that um so you know it's it's easy to talk the talk ahead of a women's test it's not as easy to walk the walk um so i don't think that you're criticizing india for their strike rate well i don't think australia did what they said that they were going to do and it was obviously a reaction to the last women's test that they played in 2019 at taunton when they did get a lot of criticism for their negative approach and their negative tactics. So they went, okay, well, we're going to you know, say that we're going to do things a bit differently. But in practice, they didn't really. They didn't ever put themselves in, in a position where they were going to be able to get anywhere near India's first innings total. Um, and the the decision at the toss was just um, just a bit bizarre, to be honest. So, I mean, yeah, that's what I think. There's obviously a lot of talk now around should there be a fifth day and I think we probably even talked about this on the broadcast when it came down to the India test that England played um, earlier in the summer Sid so shall we revisit that conversation in light of in light of that any thoughts on a fifth day
1: yeah I mean Meg Lanning said in post match that you know she felt that if there'd been a fifth day there would have been a result I mean yeah okay if there'd been a fifth day and a sixth day if it'd been a timeless test there'd have been a result <laughs> um, I think that that's that still remains slightly ducking the issue for me what do you feel Raf?
0: Yeah, well, I think I'll say what I probably said exactly then is that my concern about saying, oh, well, women's tests need to be five days. I mean, I'm very sympathetic to that perspective. And if it was up to me, they would be. But we need to get into a position where more, more countries are playing more women's tests more often. And if we say from the outset they have to be five days, then you're putting another barrier in um you know that that prevents that potentially so i don't think that just banging on about women's tests being five days is particularly helpful both countries always go into a women's test knowing that it's going to be four days and you generally know because yeah, they follow the weather forecast they know that there's likely to be rain whenever there's a test played in England we always know there's going to be some rain
1: and um, there always is
0: <laughs> yeah and fair. now there is in Australia as well I mean it, it you know it does rain sometimes over there shocking as it may seem to those of us in the UK who think that it's like neighbors all the time and it's a kind of dreamless uh, you know dreamy paradise of just endless gorgeous golden beaches well it does rain there occasionally anyway um so I think that it's not really about the fifth day for me me, um, I think it's about the fact that in the professional era of women's cricket, teams have lost the art of the competitive declaration.
1: Okay, well that's that's an interesting perspective Raf. I certainly remember f- from the watching men's county cricket in the 70s and 80s, the old, you know, the, the conversations they'd have about declarations and interestingly actually the commentators were talking about those kinds of conversations uh, today during the match, they were saying well if I was Meg Lanning I'd have, <laughs> I'd have gone round to Mitali Raji's dressing room door and knocked on the door and said what are we going to do? um and you know but that obviously isn't a thing that they feel comfortable doing um and it, i think it is one of those things where um you know we kind of as a sport do feel a little bit uncomfortable we're kind of cooking up results mm-hmm. in that way these days and even in the 70s actually if you remember this, the 70s and 80s at the time people didn't admit that's what they were doing you know you could see that they were kind of going towards a declaration situation you know when they they'd they'd get an old Larry Smith to bowl a few overs who you know trundled down you know uh, his his off spinners that never spun more than a millimeter and you know they hit 70 off six of his overs and then declared and you go okay well you know that's been something that's but we always assumed back then that you know that that was something done in a sporting way not that the two captains had got together and go "Well, well we'll we'll borrow we'll We'll bowl Larry Smith, mate, and then you—you know—you get seventy off that over, and then we're all good to go. We're all cushdy. Um, they all spoke like that in the seventies. If you weren't in the seventies, you don't remember. They were but... all
0: from Essex in the seventies.
1: <laughs> Actually, most of the people winning the winning the county championship were yeah, from okay. Essex in the seventies and eighties. I thought they were from South. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> you um, do. Yes. So yeah, um, five days. Well, you know, I think we've cooked that one, Raph. We've cooked that goose. <laughs> What's next?
0: Well. A week ago we were at Canterbury, we were recording our vodcast and we did it ahead of the fifth and final ODI between New Zealand and England. Now, as it turned out, um, a lot of our criticism about the England batting actually um, fell a little bit short in that last game because England really were very dominant, as they hadn't been for most of that series. So, any final reflections overall on that England v New Zealand series, Sid?
1: Well, it all came together with, for them at the last, didn't it? The batting just clicked really nicely, and that was the performance that everyone mm-hmm. had been waiting for. It had been the performance that England had been saying you know, that, that they have within them. You know... They, they, they obviously want to try and make that happen a little bit more often. But if they can produce that kind of performance in a World Cup final against Australia, they've got a very good chance of winning it. So I think that what you ultimately learn from that is, you know, you, you still can't write England off against anything. Are England a better side overall than Australia? No. You Do know, you mean but,
0: New Zealand? Or, no, than Australia.
1: Oh, Australia, okay. Um, are England a better side than Australia? No, they're not. Okay. Um, but are England a, a side that have the potential when they click to beat... Even sides like Australia and India? Yes, absolutely. So they'll, I think that they'll feel, you know, that they've, they've kind of set down a little bit of a marker there.
0: Cool. And it was nice to see Tammy Beaumont making a 100 in front for her, her kind of home crowd, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. She's been fantastic this year again and, you know, one of the best players in the world at the moment. No doubt about that, Raf. Okay. Um, talking of the best players, um, we had this week the, uh, the, the Cinch PCA Cricketer of the Year Awards. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but apparently they're the, the biggest awards in, in British cricket or in English cricket or English and Welsh cricket or something. And yeah, um, you published a piece in The Guardian based on some interviews that you did there. I guess Rash, that was a, you know, a, a lavish dinner with you know, lashings of champagne and um, you know, eaten mess for pudding. What, what, what mm. was it like?
0: yeah not quite so eve jones did her oh. interview over zoom from the the costa coffee at heathrow airport so she was obviously having a, a lavish cappuccino or whatever from costa to celebrate her award no but in in, in all seriousness um congratulations to her and congratulations to Alice capsey who was the um the young uh, young female cricketer of the year i think it was i think that's a that's a new award for this year and both both, of those, both very much deserved yeah and both voted for actually by other um by other cricketers so quite a nice one to pick up because it shows the regard with which somebody like eve jones is held by her um her fellow her peers yeah her peers exactly
1: um and alice capture of course not even a member of the of the Professional Cricketers Association because I'm not technically a professional cricketer at this yeah stage.
0: yeah, it was quite funny wasn't it apparently the PCA had kind of um, got together and, and said well is she going to be eligible for this because she's not a member and they decided that she would be um, and then the vote had gone in her favour right so fair enough um, it's obviously been a fantastic season for her um, and it was one of the interesting things actually was um, talking to her was that she's already making preparations for potential selection for that England A-Tour um, in australia in january and so she's front loading all of her schoolwork so that most of it happens before december i didn't really realize that was possible but apparently it is so so she's doing that so she's obviously reasonably confident of selection for that and i think that's totally fair enough because her name is being bandied around for full england selection so why wouldn't she make it on that a tour um it's been interesting actually to hear that um that lisa kightley for example is very confident that that a tour is going to go ahead we we'd Begun to be slightly concerned, maybe a little bit worried that that might fall by the wayside because of all these kind of COVID complications um, with Australia having higher rates and all these things about quarantining when you're traveling between states and things like this. Um, Now, you know, even the most optimistic assessment, COVID isn't going to suddenly disappear before January, but um, Lisa Kightley is obviously very hopeful that that tour will go ahead and and actually that um, they'll be able to, to some extent, mix and match between the the full England side playing the women's Ashes and the England A side playing the Australia A side. So she kind of said, oh, well, it allows us to take more players and have, you know, um, kind of delay some of those decisions that would otherwise be very difficult. Uh, that's a brilliant opportunity for Eve Jones, I think, um, you know, who's been kind of knocking on the door of England, you would think, for many years, scoring so many runs in domestic cricket and never having previously got a look in. Um, And she did sort of talk talk about being a little bit frustrated about that. So I think it's fantastic for everyone, really, and and quite exciting to think about this this England A-Tour going ahead. I only wish that we could get over to Australia, but sadly, probably not going to be possible under current conditions
1: yeah the a tour is gonna is is gonna is definitely gonna be a fabulous mm. opportunity um i i think there are still questions to be answered about exactly how it goes mm. ahead um i'm i think there's still something at the back of my mind nagging that it's the at the last minute they're going to cancel it and go mm. look sorry guys covid um but assuming it does go ahead i still think it's that the the other option is to kind of run them totally separately so we've got the currently the Australia India series all going ahead in one state I think that's quite likely that will also happen for the Women's Ashes and that therefore the A tour if it goes ahead will have to go in ahead in a different state which will mean that they have to select two completely separate squads. That's actually kind of some good news for the people in the A-Tour though because it means that the people in the A-Tour will get genuine opportunities Mm -hmm. because the one thing that still concerns me about the sort of mix and match approach is that what England will do is use the A-Tour to give consolation games to people that are in the senior squad but aren't selected for that and that's for me that's not what the A-Tour is for. The A-Tour is for you know getting solid experience for your Grace Scrivens and your Alice Capsies not about giving a consolation game to someone that might have otherwise been playing in the in the senior team but just missed out on selection by one place
0: yeah i I pretty much agree with you i guess we'll just have to wait and see but huge congratulations to eve jones and to alice capsey And finally this week, um, there's been an article published in the Times relating to the schedule for next year's 100 competition. Um, And that described the, um, it was about the scheduling um, and the ECB have apparently said that the 100 for 2022, the second iteration will have a prime five week slot. Now, the spanner in the works there, because there is a spanner, let's be honest, there's always a spanner. The spanner on this occasion is a little thing called the Commonwealth Games which is happening in 2022 between 28th of July and 8th of August. Now that's going to be a little bit of a potential um, spanner in terms of that schedule for the 100, Sid.
1: Yeah, so the ECB have essentially said, made made three points. None of these have been really sort of formal announcements. They've all kind of leaked out through various interviews people have done. But they've said three things really clearly. Uh, number one, they've said that we will maintain the double header model and that the men's and women's competitions will run concurrently uh, with double headers. Um, the second the thing that they've said is that they will run it in prime time. Okay. So that that to me says school holidays. Yep. The third thing they said is that it will be a five-week competition. Yep. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, if the Commonwealth Games doesn't finish until you know the, when we are pretty realistically looking at tenth, eleventh of August at the very best, um, in order to get that competition started, then your five weeks pushes you well into September. At which point you're no longer in prime time; you're in school, you're, you're in school term time in this country.
0: Should we say when the summer holidays normally? Yeah, are Yeah, so in the, the summer holidays
1: usually finish at the end of August, pretty much. Yeah. So it, once you're into September, you're basically into um, into school time. Yeah. Um, and we're actually looking at the second week in september at that point which means you're well into school time because some of the very posh schools actually go back a week or so later okay. than the than the state schools um, so even even if you're even if you're at the very posh schools you're still that's still going to be hitting your ability to be able to you know take your family to those games and particularly obviously the final yeah the final taking yeah. place well into school term time so the ecb you know they they they've got a little bit of a thing I, where i think the left hand doesn't quite know what the right hand is doing with these announcements and they they clearly don't know at this stage exactly when they're going to schedule the hundred and how Mm. it's all going to work and there are big questions to answer the most obvious answer to all this is to go well we'll run the women's hundred um concurrently with the commonwealth games And and the Men's 100 as well. Now, there is a lot of issues there. I mean, even if you just think about the Men's 100, there's the issue of, well, what about Edgbaston? Does that mean that for the first two weeks of the competition that the Birmingham Super Phoenixes or whatever they are can't have any home games? Um, Who knows? Um, But there are other issues with this, aren't there, Raf? Including issues with the overseas players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely just want to say that one of the frustrating things about this is that so many of these media articles just totally ignore the Commonwealth Games. It's like they've forgotten that it's happening, despite the fact that to us it's like the biggest thing to happen in women's cricket for, well... I don't know in quite the a players, long time the players
1: are incredibly excited yeah, about the Commonwealth well, games. Well of course
0: you would be because it's an opportunity to win a gold medal or even a silver medal in a in a global event that's just got, gets you know so many eyes on it. Um and I think that that does relate to a problem that the ECB has because The the 100 is kind of billed as this huge um, visibility opportunity for women's cricket. Well, the Commonwealth Games is bigger than the 100. I'm sorry, but there's no getting around it. It is. It's a global event. Um, Of course, it only involves the countries of the Commonwealth, so it's not as big as the Olympics. But still, every match of the Commonwealth Games will be on the BBC. Now, of course, we had some matches in the 100 on the BBC, and that was very much seen as a positive and a brilliant thing. But this will literally be back-to-back women's cricket matches on the BBC, on free-to-air TV. Um, It will be kind of being shown alongside all these other events. So it will be bringing in new viewers to women's cricket who don't necessarily follow women's cricket outside of the Commonwealth Games. Um, And it will be viewers from all around the country, um, from all around the world. So not just people in England who are interested in in the hundreds. Um, It will be viewers from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the Caribbean, everywhere around the world who has a team in the commonwealth games will be really interested and will be engaging with this competition so if the ecb want to try and run the women's hundred up against the commonwealth games they're on a hiding to nothing there absolutely they are all they're doing would be to shoot themselves in the foot and to massively undermine the fact that the hundred is meant to be this big visibility opportunity for women's cricket so i really hope that doesn't happen Um, i think it's unlikely because i think they must be aware of everything that i've just said um, and that that therefore does mean that what you're up against is, um, you know, you either run the 100 either side of the Commonwealth Games, in which case, what do you do with all of these overseas players who are floating around in the middle going, hmm, what do I do for a few weeks if I'm not necessarily selected for the Commonwealth Games, which they won't all be. And obviously, the men's overseas players have nothing to do with the Commonwealth Games. So quite an expensive undertaking, you'd think, to just keep them here. Um, or, as you say, you backload it into September but then it does clash with this suggestion that the whole thing is going to be in a prime time slot so uh, yeah as you say is the left hand talking to the right hand there's a bit of an issue with with overseas players as well generally isn't there Sid
1: yeah because of course it's not just the England players that wouldn't be participating it's the Indian players and the South African players and the Barbadian players and that takes out an awful lot of the big overseas stars from this year so you know the the the, the kids in, in Northern Diamonds land where, um, will, will be going off to see Jemima Rodrigues and it's like, no, she's no. not here. And the kids in London Spirit Land will be going off to see DeAndre Dawson and they'll be like, no, she's no. not here either. None of the England players are here. That's not how you run the, you know, the supposedly the, the, the best women's no. cricket competition in the world. That's not going to work either. And again, the people at the ECB must know this, but there's, there is a, a rather large circle there that needs to be squared and someone's going to have to get out their hammer to do that.
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing how they're going to do that, aren't we? (laughs) Um, I think that's pretty much all from us this week. Um, Thanks for tuning in, as ever, and see you in a week's time. Bye. Bye.